Hello, everybody. Welcome. This is Sunday. This is Ozzy of Ozzy Tells All. Today, I had my dear friend Dennis Mackhart, D-Mac, come back on the podcast after almost a two-year hiatus. But we talked about the golden era of baseball, the Negro Leagues, the dead ball era, the Black Sox, a ton of stuff, amazing content. And then we went from there, fast forward about 70 years or so, to the steroid era, Barry Bonds, Sammy Sosa, Rafael Palmero, A-Rod, um, you know, just the list goes on and on and on. Talked about who to blame, who's to blame, guys who we thought, guys we thought may have been under suspicion that never got caught, guys who just juiced because they juiced. Talked about, talked about Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame, Houston Astros scandal a little bit. Um, just a lot of stuff to think over, but this is our conversation. Hello, welcome to episode 213 of Aussie Tells All. Welcome back on, on the podcast today. I'm here. After some technical difficulties, we got this working. Well, now, now, now the the clue to your to your phone at least. <laughs> how's how's it going today? It's it's going. How's it going with you? Pretty good. Pretty busy. Uh, all these podcasts and binging good, shows and stuff. Yeah. Good to be back. It's, it's been a couple of years. <laughs> it's been a while. Absolutely. Well, today we're talking about some baseball uh, from the early beginnings to to the modern age. Um, but first, um, just just give your background on baseball and how you got to be a fan of the, of the sport. Well, um, just uh, got in, you know, got interested in it when mid eighties because uh, everyone in school was collecting baseball cards, and mm-hmm. um, you know, Bo Jackson was probably the most famous man in the world <laughs> at that time, and yeah, um, got into it and then just uh, started. Uh, Seeing a lot of documentaries on on PBS and that kind of just predates the Ken Burns baseball, which is the yeah. be all end all of baseball documentaries. But uh, yeah, the, there was some really great stuff. There was uh, HBO did a special called "When It Was a Game." Yeah, and they showed like old home videos that that players took from mm-hmm. from you know the early early part of the century. Um, right. So just kind of got interested that way. And how did you become a Yankee fan? Well, I just, I, I was always attracted to the legacy of it. Like, um, when when I first got into baseball, you know, the, the, the Yankees weren't doing so hot. <laughs> um, you know, they, they had a lot of bad years from between oh, right. the, between the uh, Reggie Jackson era to the Derek Jeter era was a pretty dark time. Right. And, uh but just since I was digging into the baseball history, especially at school, my school library, everything right. that you could find was was primarily about the Yankees. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, because they had a, a long, rich history that I could dig into, that was that was the team I chose because that was the most information I had access to. Wow, that's that's crazy. Um, before, we, before we get started here on this uh, topic here, um, nowadays, how many games do you watch a year for the Yankees games you watched? 
um, anything that's televised locally. So I mean, ESPN probably okay. maybe one a week. Um, yeah. yeah, I watch every. I, wa- I try to watch every Mariners game, M's game I can, but sometimes it's hard to watch the Mariners these days. But um, <laughs> you know, it, it really uh, is. I, I I know what you mean. I mean, it's it, it can be disheartening. <laughs> it's been uh, we haven't made the playoffs in twenty years, so um, it's not, it was in high school, senior year in high I, school. Yeah. I. When I was when I was a I think I was a sophomore in high school the year the baseball strike happened. Oh, really? Ninety four. And yeah. yep. And and I was I was watching pretty religiously then. And then, you know, the, the there was it was shaping up to be our first decent season in a long time. And then the strike. Yeah. <laughs> there was yeah. enough World Series that year. Yeah that that year. 90, it's actually short, it's actually a shortened shortened baseball season ninety five. And yeah, Mariners got the uh, playoff spot. I mean, that was that's my first game kind of baseball was when I saw the Mariners on TV for the first time in '95. So oh, okay, okay, so yeah. right around the same time there, as far as uh, when we were watching a lot. Yep. Um, all right, now we'll get to the, the meat here. Start off the show here. So you you are Yankees fan, but you say you don't like Babe Ruth. I'm going to read off a couple paragraphs and you want you to defend why you don't think he's all that great lay it on me all right so there we go Uh, i've been answering this question a lot (laughs) i i don't know doubt you are um babe ruth started his career as an absolute stud as a lefty starting pitcher then said why not try this hitting thing um he set the mark with home runs with 714 RBIs with 2,213 walks, 2,062, slugging 690, an OPS of 1.164. And that last and that last two records still stand to this day. And then uh, finish it off here. Um, he's a two-time All-Star, seven-time World Series champion, AL MVP, AL batting title, 12-time home run leader, six-time AL, six-time AL RBI leader, AL ERA leader for the, Yan- the Yankees retired his number, all-century team, MLB all-time team, and he was the first player to ever be inducted into the Hall of Fame. So please tell us, as a Yankee fan, why you don't <laughs> like Babe Ruth, a world icon. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay. So, um, first off, I just have one little correction to make to that. He was the second player elected to the Hall to the okay. Hall of Fame. Okay. He was right behind Cobb, and the only reason he was the second was because he wasn't unanimous, and I don't know what sports writer didn't choose him for the Hall of Fame, but, uh, wow. okay. I mean, you know, I, I don't like the guy, but right. he, he obviously belongs in the Hall of Fame. He's obviously one of the top five players of all time. Yep. Um, but personally, I don't like him because I don't like what he represents. Okay. Um, Okay. I don't I don't like that he was kind of the guy who changed it from small ball to long ball. Okay. I really like that uh you know baseball back in that day was a more strategic sport. It was a, a one base at a time, one run at a time type thing. Mm-hmm. Uh I feel like he went from went from chess to battleship. Like, <laughs> it went from a thinking man's game to a, a, a kind of a spectacle. And, I mean, 
you know, there's, there's, there's people that say that that was what made the game more interesting for them. Yep. But I, I, I you know, I kind of, and, and I get a lot of shit for this too. I call, <laughs> I call Babe Ruth the Hulk Hogan of baseball oh. back oh. before, back before Hulk Hogan, you know, wrestling was a lot slower paced. It was uh-huh. more, it was more uh, moves driven. Then Hulk comes in, body slam, leg drop. That's the end of it. Splash, baby. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't discredit his his playing is playing. What would what, what you? But you, oh, you just oh. think his style. Oh no! Yeah, I can't take anything away from the guy's talent. I just, okay. I just don't like what he turned the game into, and I don't like that he kind of set the stage for that whole athletes as role models thing. <laughs> Well, this guy, um, <laughs> he is definitely a guy who would like smoke cigarettes and then uh, have some burgers before the game or whatever. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was some kind of a lack of discipline there. But uh, David Wells, who got drunk before the game and had a perfect game for the Yankees. So, yeah, yeah. You that mean, too. So, I don't know. You know, like I would liken it to people who don't like LeBron or people who don't like Floyd Mayweather or people who don't like Tom Brady. Like, if they know the sport, they know that these people are incredibly talented. They are just yeah. not for them. I got you. I mean, I, I love long ball, you know, so um, I love small ball, but, you know, you can't beat a home run. That's fun. It's a fun thing to watch there. Yeah. But, yeah. And I mean, I mean, you know, as, as times change, obviously I have to kind of, uh, change my preferences too like i mean right. w- the steroid era which we're going to talk about it yep. later on um sure. it was it was exciting it was yep. probably the most exciting time in my lifetime to be a baseball yeah. fan it was i don't like long ball but uh, if i want to watch baseball i have to adapt to that's what the sport is now exactly so but like i said we'll, we'll dig more into that later yeah uh, now we'll dig into the Negro Leagues. Um, Absolutely. Here we go. So I'll read a couple of things and then I'll have you respond to what I said here. So mm-hmm. the Negro Leagues uh, for black and some Latino player, American players that ended in the mid 1950s. Um, no, no, nobody made the major league baseball because that wasn't allowed. But here are some of the greats. Larry Satchel Page, James Cool Papa Bell, Josh Gibson, Andrew Rube Foster, my favorite, John Buck O'Neill. Um, now, your thoughts on just that first part there, your thoughts on Negro Leagues and those players and your favorite players from that generation? Oh, well, well you, you touched on a lot of my favorites. <laughs> um, you know, Satch, I mean, he, yeah. was, he, he eventually made it into the majors in the twilight of his career, and as a man in his 40s, he was striking out men in their 20s. <laughs> yeah. Um, Cool Papa Bell, they say, was, uh, well, there's there's two legends about Cool Papa Bell. One was obviously fake, and one was <laughs> one was unverified, but a lot of sources say that it really happened. Okay. The fake one is they said that Papa Bell was so fast, Cool Papa Bell was so fast, he hit a line drive up the middle and hit himself in the head, sliding oh into second. <laughs> <laughs> now, the one that is probably more accurate is they say that he once scored from first on a sacrifice fly wow so it's pretty fast then <laughs> that is pretty dang fast um Prototype. yeah there you go yeah, exactly <laughs> um buck o'neill i mean buck o'neill was a statesman i yep. mean he you know 
he, he was one of those guys also same sort of thing made it into the majors in the end of his career and was never bitter about it was never held that against MLB when he had every right to he was an ambassador for baseball Mm -hmm. just um class act all the way yep and on on that next thing that I was going to say that Buck O'Neill set up the Negro Hall of Fame uh in Kansas City Missouri your thoughts on, on that on that there as well that that is, I mean I think that's every bit as important as the uh, the hall in Cooperstown. Mm-hmm. I mean we're talking almost fifty over fifty years of, of baseball history that just is is not being represented anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously on a human level, I, I hate the fact that the Negro League had to exist. Yep. But on the flip side of that coin, I mean. What a blessing for baseball fans that it did exist because, I mean, people got to see some of the best athletes of the time. Yeah. There were many seasons where the Negro Leagues actually beat the MLB in the gates, mm-hmm. um, you know, because, well, first of all, because MLB banned a good portion of their fan base from coming into the, the stadiums because yeah. of whereas Negro Leagues let everybody in. Um, ticket prices were lower. Um, the Great Depression was happening, so economics were a factor for people. Do I want to go see the uh, the uh, New York Giants as they were at the time for right. nickel, or, whereas I can go see the New York Black Yankees for two cents? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, the the it, and 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 going back to the the list of that the people you mentioned first, Rube Foster. Mm-hmm. Enough credit cannot be given to him. I mean, player owner, player manager, um, mm-hmm. huge figure in the front office of Negro Leagues. So I mean, his business acumen made that a working a working league for fifty years directly mm-hmm. competing against American baseball. I, I just can't picture any scenario where any type of league in this day and age would yep. be able to go head to head against MLB and sustain itself for 50 years. Yeah. Um, and as a side note, uh, Jackie Robinson broke the, the barrier of the Dodgers. Here's your thoughts on his, his story and what he went through. Well, I mean, you know, they they needed it to be the right guy. And it's it's controversial because a lot of people felt like Jackie Robinson was maybe too subservient. Mm-hmm. Maybe he wasn't uh, hostile enough. Maybe he wasn't uh, aggressive enough. Maybe he, he 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 sat back and took a lot of abuse that a lot of other players wouldn't wouldn't have taken. But yeah. Yeah. The, the attitude in that time in the country, they needed someone who was practically a saint to integrate the sport. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, you get a hothead in there. <laughs> they, they, the first time someone spikes him, he gets into a brawl. Yeah. People with that attitude, that's all the justification they need. Oh, look at these people. They're violent. They're primitive. They don't belong in this game. Right. You know, I mean, Jackie Robinson was the, 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 the right man for the job at the right time. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily agree with a lot of things he did later in his career, but 
he was the he 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 had to be the guy. Exactly. Now you have a movie out of out of him was an awesome movie forty two. Forty two, great movie, great and, and redeemed the terrible movie from the forties, the Jackie Robinson story. I didn't I didn't see that one. Yeah, not, not a great movie. Okay, okay, and they have Jackie Robinson Day across the baseball every every year too. So. Where everyone wears 42. Which, which was King Griffey Jr.'s idea, by the way. So, I did not know that. Yep, it was his idea, and they said, let's do it. And that, that, now it's all across the country, you know. Now, you as an M's fan, maybe you yep. could answer this question for me. Sure. Was Ken Griffey 24 because it was the reverse of 42? You know, I don't know that one, but, you know, wouldn't it surprise me, though? I, I figured it either had to be that or an homage to Willie. Only Maze, yeah. I mean, they're great friends too. I mean, his yeah, dad, his dad and him were go way back. But Contemporaries, yeah. Exactly. All right. Um, now, what are your thoughts on the Negro Leagues, and what could have changed MLB history? Because it's safe to say that the players in Negro Leagues were a cut above the major leagues players at the time. I, I think that's very fair to say, and. As much as as much as I think it's cool that they had a separate league that was able to compete and in sometimes beat the uh, mm-hmm. the 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 segregated white MLB, mm-hmm. I think the biggest shame is that we'll never know the full potential of a lot of those athletes. I mean, right. the just when you factor in their Negro league stats with their MLB stats, you know, Satchel page is the only one who even comes close to touching some of Cy Young's records that, that, that will never now be broken just because of how, how infrequently pitchers start. Mm -hmm. I mean, most pitchers will never play as many games as, as Cy Young won. Right. (laughs) So, I mean, it's a shame that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's a shame in that sense that we'll never see those records, right? And what what they could have been. But at the same time, I feel like there's a sense of mythology there that um, maybe it's best we never know, mm-hmm. because because now it's 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 kind of like an otherworldly type. You know these the these records these stats. They're, they're lost to history, so it's kind of up to you and your own. Everyone gets to write their own story. I still yep. would have been the best. Oh, yes. Now, move on to, to the dead ball, dead ball era now um, of baseball, which spanned from 1900 to 1921, um, where scoring averages in that time was 3.4 runs a game. Initial thoughts on the dead ball era at a glance there. Well... I, I, like I said earlier, I was a one ball, one base at a time kind of guy. So, right, uh, right. so that's, that's an interesting concept to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like I would have really preferred to have watched games in that era. They were probably twice as long. Right. <laughs> um, but I, I think, I think that that era really separated the best from the best. Mm-hmm. Offense yeah. and defense, because I right. mean, I can you imagine today's pitchers having to use the same ball for the entire game? And exactly, yeah. Be able to put some gas on it. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine a uh, a hitter being able to 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 knock a ball out of the park without uh, 
with, with, with a ball <laughs> that's been beat up all day long. Yep, like the Sandlot kind of. Uh huh. Um, now you're a you like low scoring games. You like you know traditional move, move, get them on move them over. You know sacrifice bunts, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. What would you say to getting a, a National League baseball team um, adoption for you? That that that's their style ball in the National League. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, interestingly enough, um, the the thing I don't like about NL is that the uh, is that the pitcher hits. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I agree with you. Um, but but beyond that, yeah, I, I I like that they kept that style. I like that mm-hmm. uh, that interleague play is now a thing because you know for a big part of our lifetimes, interleague yeah. was. The, the met in the World Series and the All Star Game. And I was yeah, pretty much. Um, the Dead Ball era uh, focused on real strategics and when to steal a base, when to hit and run, when to lay down a sacrifice bunt, and when to get a sacrifice fly. The home runs were slim to none. And so, mm-hmm. your thoughts on and all that. Well, you know what I think is really interesting about that is even if people's attention spans could still um, could still handle small ball, mm-hmm. here, here's why small ball would never work now the way that it worked back then. Yeah. Stats. Yeah. Yeah. Players are Contract. too. Yeah. Yeah. Players are too focused on their own individual stats. Um, you know, a lot of. Uh, uh, a lot of intentional ground outs and pop-ups mm-hmm. guys like this. But, <laughs> and I mean, it, it, it sounds like a joke, but I'm dead serious. Yeah. Can you imagine how pissed off fantasy people would? Oh, no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> My guy could have gotten a hit here, but he intentionally <laughs> got out. What is that? <laughs> exactly. Unless you, unless you had a stat for sacrifice butts, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. A point for that. Let's go get the butt. You know, take one for the team. Literally, exactly, exactly. Now, the league leader in home runs was always under ten time, ten time, uh, ten <laughs> for the season. For the season, <laughs> and they played in a spacious, spacious parks in those days, which made it harder to hit for prior thoughts on the ballparks and also just the ten home runs in a season. Well, you know, that's actually one of the things that I feel like is lost to history uh, as far as um, how big those ballparks were. Yeah. I mean, especially, say, like the Polo Grounds or Ebbets Field. Mm-hmm. Those places were caverns. Yeah. And that's why the, the, the famous Willie Mays catch, the over-the-head while running, yeah. spin around and throw it to home. Yeah. I mean, deep center field at uh, – at, at the polo grounds, mm-hmm. we're talking practically the parking lot at Tropicana Field or whatever they call that shit hole down there now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, now, in 1912, before our time, obviously. <laughs> A little uh, bit. Yeah. Owen Chief Wilson had 39 triples. Your thoughts on that incredible uh, stat there? Yeah, I mean, that's that's one of those interesting things about that era that there, there's a few stats that I feel like will just not be matched now because of the way the game's played. Yeah. 
I mean, that's a testament to his place hitting, and that's a testament, I would assume, to his base running. Yeah. I mean, I've never seen the man run a base, but uh, like, yeah. like you said a little bit before our time. But, yeah, I mean, that's just that's, – that's an incredible stat. I mean, triples are – Triples are probably the rarest thing in baseball oh, now. No oh. doubt. Now, speaking of triples, I have a stat that will blow your mind. Um, and one record that still stands to this day. Um, will not get It will not get touched at all. Um, Sam Crawford. Wahoo Sam Crawford. Uh, Wahoo Sam Crawford. <laughs> that was his nickname, yep. <laughs> there you go. Going deep there. Uh, <laughs> with 309 triples, triples in one season. How crazy Unbel- is that? Amazing. Yeah, I mean, people people play an entire career and don't come anywhere. Right, exactly. Um, now, the fans were complaining about a lack of scoring. So so MLB created a, a, cheek, a cheeked ball. So in 1910, AL batting average was 243. It escalated to 1911 to 273. So in one year, it went up by like 30 points. So your thoughts on the new baseball they, they used? Well, you know, that's one of the, the, I think that was a good compromise. Yeah. I think that didn't sacrifice the spirit of the one base at a time yeah. philosophy, but I think it also made, made for a more, uh, a more even game because, you know, just depending on which era in baseball you're looking at, there were certain eras that favored pitchers. There were certain eras that favored batters. Yeah. Um, and I think that was one of the, one of the great equalizers, honestly. Um, because, uh, you know, for instance, like moving the rubber back or, uh, you know, that, that sent home run records through the roof again, or, yep. um, you know, every 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 maybe decade or so, it seems like there's some new rule that benefits one side more than the other. Right. And I feel like that was one of the truly great uh, balanced rule changes. Yeah. Yes, NFL like all all rules are all offensive. Um, you know, Canada they all want offense to exceed in the NFL now. It used to be defense. Now it's all offense. Now more scoring, yeah. more scoring. You know, uh-huh. safety first, whatever, and all that, all that, all that, all that, all that, all that, all that stuff. But um, the pitcher, uh, the pitcher complained to. So the spit ball was invented, and scoring went back down. But eventually, <laughs> that pitch was outlawed, and still is to this day. Your thoughts on uh, on that whole whole thing there? I mean. Yeah, that's 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 totally fair. Um, I, I I feel like I feel like the spitball is sort of the uh, pitching equivalent to pine tar. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. it, it obviously creates an unfair advantage, but at the same time, it was interesting to see people who managed to still find ways to to. Uh, to to let's be honest to cheat but not really cheat and the names that come to mind right off bat are Galen Perry Mm -hmm. I mean he was one of the dirtiest pitchers in the game if there was a way to get a foreign substance onto a ball without just spitting directly onto it he was the guy yeah and nowadays you see pitchers out there 
with like pine tar on their neck and they just swipe it on the baseball. No, <laughs> nothing to see here. Vaseline in the Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Um, now the best home run hitter in this era was Cactus Gabby Kravis with twenty four <laughs> dingers in one season. Your thoughts on the nickname, also nicknames in this era, and also on twenty four home runs. Oh, that's that's such isn't that a great turn of the century nickname? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, there was uh, nicknames back then. I, I mentioned earlier, like Wahoo Sam Crawford, and there mm-hmm. was uh, um, Pee Wee Reese and uh, uh, Cap Anson, you know, just such mm-hmm. old timey. Like, you picture all of these guys having handlebar mustaches. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And uh, also, what factored to low scoring was they had four strikes and you are out, opposed to three strikes you're out. So your thoughts on uh, the four strike rule before they changed it? See, my understanding of that was always that it was still three strikes. It was just that fouls didn't count as hmm. strikes back then. I, I read an article on it and it said four strikes were, were in play for a long time. So I don't know. I, yeah, I, w- I would love to uh, to dive more into that. And when you uh, kind of sent me some prep notes from this, yeah. I was like, I, I don't, I can't recall a time. Whenever that was, it had to have been in the embryonic days of baseball. Oh. And, and well, the only reason I say that is because if you listen to, uh, Take me out to the ball game, which I believe yeah. was written in like 1909. Oh, really? It's one, okay. two, three strikes you're out, according to the song. Right. So mm-hmm. I would love to know when when that changed over because that that obviously would have made a huge difference. You know. Yeah. They in the Ken Burns documentary they talk about how how numbers centric baseball is. Yeah. And they're so right, you know. Like, who who thought or of three strikes because it's the perfect number? Yeah. Who thought of you know sixty feet from one base to the next because that's the perfect number? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I mean, uh, I don't know if there was a lot of trial and error, if if whoever set down the rules for this was just a geometry genius, but <laughs> you never know. Yeah, yeah, because I mean the the rules the way they are just perfect. Yep, I got three more things. Then we'll then we'll go into we'll move into next the next eras of uh, baseball here. Yes, um, which I'm more familiar with than <laughs> that I'm not with this era, obviously. But um, the ball wasn't made to score runs. The spitball threw a wrench into the situation. Um, but the biggest factor was ballpark size. For example, most parks was. 635 to, to dead center <laughs> field. That's like 200 yard, 200 uh, feet less than it is today. Mm-hmm. On, on the, just a huge, massive number there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's obviously going to be a factor as to why uh, there were fewer home runs. But also, yeah. like we've been talking about this whole time, the right. the philosophy of the game. Like it didn't really matter that the that the the out, outfield was that far out because no one, yeah. was, no one intentionally was going to go hit the ball out of the park anyway. Exactly. Um, but talking about, you know, the, the golden era and talking about uh, 
ballpark sizes and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, uh, the and this kind of goes back to your first question about Ruth. Um, when when uh, you know they they always referred to Yankee Stadium as the house that Ruth built, right? Yeah. When when they designed the at that time new Yankee Stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, his sweet spot was obviously right field because he was a left-handed batter. Yep. Um, they they knew right where he hit it, and they built that fence 290 feet out. <laughs> so yep. a lot of his home run. I mean, you could practically, you know, hit a deep single and get a home run in that. True. <laughs> and and it's so funny that it took so long for other opponents to figure that out because. Uh, yeah. He was just, you know, the guy. The guy wasn't great at place hitting. I mean, just the the way that yeah. his body moved. He always pulled the ball to the right because he hit with so much force. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it was just kind of by chance that most of his home runs went over to the right field side. Yeah. But um, when we get done recording, I have to send you. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but it's an aerial photo of old Yankee Stadium. Okay. And when you see the disparity between left <laughs> field and right field, it, it doesn't even look like a baseball diamond from the sky. Really? Okay. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's so funny, but ridiculous. All right, absolutely. So when you start sharing that on social media, I'm gonna have yep. to be there for you. I'll put that up there for. I'll put it on on the Facebook post. Um, and my thing else I had for you here is the dead ball era ended in 1920 when a player got banned or uh, beamed and didn't even see the ball coming in twilight, and he died on the field. Your thoughts on that also closing thoughts on this whole golden era of baseball um i i i believe that player was ray chapman if i'm not mistaken Um, and yeah i mean that's just that is uh, that's that's it's it's an unforeseen tragedy um but this the strange thing is like how common that actually was back then oh really a lot of players had their careers shortened by being balls to the head. And uh, they're one, one of the great all-time players, Mickey Coughlin, who was a catcher. Yeah. Um, he took a, he took a fastball to the head and he mm. was never the same after that. And now back in that day, they did not have helmets. They had like hats. Right? They, they, those little filming. floppy hats. Yep. Right. That's, that's crazy. All right. I and mean, that's, that's definitely a, a crazy thing to have back then, you know, you think they might have a helmet back then, but you never know if it was even meant back then, you know, you never know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm, I mean, you know, that, that, that would have been a good time to maybe start looking at the uh, stadium lighting. Yeah. <laughs> but, True. Uh, but True. Uh, from my understanding, they didn't even start seriously considering stadium lighting until the advent of TV because they wanted people oh, really? watching at home to be able to see all the action still. Oh, okay. Well, well, they lost some lives really for that reason. <laughs> but what are your final thoughts on the golden era of baseball? Well, I mean, maybe for me, a lot of it has to do with the fact that I never got to see any of it. Yeah, I mean, I'll definitely always think of that as as the the golden age of baseball, the when it was at yeah. its best. 
right. you know, you, you hear all these stories about Walter Johnson, Christy Matthews, mm-hmm. and these, these yeah. players that they say that, uh, Walt, that Walter Johnson's accuracy was such that, uh, the, the catcher could hold a soup can in his glove <laughs> and that he would get it in there. Right. And, you know, kind of talking about the, uh, the, the Negro leagues when we were mentioning that, uh, you know, it, maybe it's best that we didn't get to see that because now, now it's, 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 it's like mythology at this point. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll, I'll always love that era, respect that era. I'm a, I'm a history buff and a sports guy. So, I mean, what, what yeah. could be better for me? And let me ask you now, if I'm wrong, let me know, but, wasn't the Black Sox scandal in, in that in that era? 1919. Or... 1919. Ooh, and... right before the dead ball era ended then. Yes, exactly. And um, a lot of people actually say that the reason why the sport went to long ball was because so many people were turned off of baseball after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, they needed something new, something kind of circusy to uh, bring people back into it and yeah, I mean that was also, I believe, nineteen nineteen, wasn't that the year the Sox sold uh, their pitcher to the Yankees? <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I, I, I know that because I watched the Eight Man Out film with Charlie Sheen and all those guys. That was John Cusack and yeah, Frazier's dad. Fantastic movie. All right, now let's move on to the next era, and I'll let you take the floor here. Yes, so we are talking about the steroid era. Yep. And uh, we're talking early 90s to early 2000s. So Mm -hmm. in the grand scheme of things, a very small section of time in baseball history, but a very significant time in baseball history, um, controversial time in baseball history. Exactly. Um, and and I think people uh, in the same age group as us, I, I feel yeah. like our, our pers- perspective on this is really interesting because for so many of these years, we were fans not knowing this was going on. Right. You know, at the tail end of it, um, <laughs> you know, everyone knew it was going on. <laughs> it's like, it's like you see Bonds like one day skinny and then it's like a balloon, you know. Or, or oh, go ahead. And then he's seeing now. It's like now he's getting out again. So it's like, hmm, what changed? Here? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, some of these guys just turned into the houses, and <gasps> yeah, you know, like it's it it's it's it kind of speaks to our naivete as children at the oh. time. But I mean, like when you right. think back on Jose Canseco, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean. How, yeah, how did how did we not know at the time that that guy was juicing? Because that guy was that, huge. That guy, his forearms, man. Oh. His, <laughs> so he's a workout warrior, you know. He, he's like uh, left to look out. Yeah, yeah. That, that's just from bench pressing. Exactly. So, yeah, the Primero's uh, ass and <laughs> McGuire and all that. Yeah. Yeah. So you know the big question about the steroid era. And, and I was going to build up to this, but everyone knows I'm going to ask it. So I'm just going to start off with it. Do players from that era belong in the Hall of Fame? You know, I think they do because um, at this point, everyone was doing it back then. And it was up to the pitchers to not, you know, to, you know, to stop what they were doing or stop, stop it and all that. But 
I mean, A-Rod, Maguire, Palmero, um, freaking Conseco, Giambi. I mean, just a huge list of players. Ryan Braun. I mean, Cano. I mean, just the legends of the game. You can't write the, the game without them in it. So it's like, why not have them in it? The the two names that I always go to when we have this discussion, by the way, I agree with you completely. Um, the two names that I always go to with this discussion are Bonds and Clemens. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and the reason being, those guys were Hall of Famers before they even bulked up. The, yep. Those guys, if you look at their numbers from when they were, you know, 190 pounds. <laughs> Right. There were still beasts, you know. Yeah, exactly. And especially Clemens, those first couple seasons of his with Boston. Whew. Yep. Whew. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree with you on that. I didn't know whether or not we were going to find common ground on that, but. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And I mean, just look at how boring some of the most recent Hall of Fames have been because the sports writers will only vote two guys in. True. Now, like I me mean, five years ago, I, I I'd be totally differently. But last couple of years or so, I I come around to like, okay, these guys deserve to get in. Um, maybe put asterisk on asterisk on them to say, hey, they, they use steroids, but you know they were one of the game's great still. So that's and, my opinion. And, and that actually leads into the next question I was going to ask you. Yeah. Um, by that time, especially say by like oh two oh three, like when Bonds was chasing the single season record. When um, you started to see this huge spike in pitchers having no hitters. Yeah. Um, like, is there a party that thinks that um, at that point steroids were just an equalizer? And like a lot of guys that normally wouldn't have been inclined to take steroids were forced into it because they had to compete with other guys they knew were juicing. I mean, at the time, you know, you have you have Balco in the Bay Area. I'm sure there's mm. other ones around the country also but um i just think with people getting those huge huge stats contracts were massive back then or, or going to be massive i think you had to, to juice to get the net the next deal and i think that this what they had to do it up you know up 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 them you know and it was just part of the game you know a necessary evil yeah exactly it's like all like lance armstrong he was on steroids for a long time but so was everybody else. He was the best of all the cheaters in cycling. So I, I get it. It's like if you're not cheating, you're, if you're not cheating, you're not going to win. So yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, so that brings and in the way you answered that question perfectly set up the next question I was going to ask you. Okay. Who do you blame for the steroid era more than anybody? Was it the I owners? Blame, was it I the blame I'm so glad you said that. Yeah, because I listen to DP, as you know, I listen to DP show every day for uh-huh. like a long time, six, 17 years. And DP has some stories, like great stories. And he tell he tells the audience that his source tells him that Pete, but Sealed knew about the steroids in baseball. He had to. He had, he he knew, he knew it for a fact that he's like, let's, let's let, let it slide, you know, let it slide. He didn't, he didn't tell anybody and then it got worse and worse and worse. And finally they had to do a poll, you know, the whole steroid, um, which hunt was out, you know, cause they had the book he had and then all went downhill from there. But I, yeah, I ultimately, I ultimately, I ultimately blame bud, but also blame 
the trainers who give them the stuff, like, you know, that sort of thing too. But the, the main guy is Bud for sure. I, I'm so glad you said that because I'm looking at my list of questions that I had for you right now. And it said, who do you blame? And it says owners, question mark, league, question mark, players, question mark, fans, question mark. But then I highlighted Bud Selig. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm so glad that I didn't even have to bring that up. I'm not um, sure why the fans would be blamed, but uh, I don't know why the fans would be at blame. Well, let me l- let me tell you why I think there's a case to be made for the fans okay. to be blamed. But okay. I agree with you that it's actually Bud Selig. But okay. playing devil's advocate, sure. baseball was losing to football at that time as far as the ratings go, as far as gates go. Um, you know, the, the baseball wasn't America's pastime anymore. I mean, it still officially was, but what was right. everyone talking about at the water cooler? It was always football. Yep. Um, and it wasn't until, uh, it wasn't until the big, um, Maguire Sosa, you know, who's <laughs> going to finish yeah. the season with the most home runs. And that just sucked people right back in. And I mean, people were talking about baseball again. People were buying baseball jerseys again. People were going to games again. And, and and I feel like in a lot of ways, the fans enabled that behavior because, because I mean, well, well, you know, especially for say advertisers or for the people that run the stadium, it's like, well, this is what it took to put butts in seats again. So uh, (laughs) It was short-lived, too, but, yeah, the summer of Sosa and McGuire was awesome. Oh, yeah. Because they were in the same – because they're playing the NL Central, too, so it was like they played each other hundred times also, so it was awesome to see them both in the same game. Yeah, well. and and it was just that will they, won't they, you know, like what, the, they were constantly leapfrogging each other or one – or they were tied. Yeah, and um. – if you remember, the ESPN would cut to their at bats just to watch the at bat, you know, and yeah. back out. You know, <laughs> it's crazy. Oh yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm I'm glad we're on the same page there with Bud Selig because I, I really think that could have been a passionate argument, you know, for me to be like, no, that was completely the selfish players that. <laughs> yeah. No. No. Yeah. The, the league absolutely looked the other way. <laughs> no doubt. Um. So. Uh, a little bit of a controversial question here because okay, okay. because like it uh, it throws some shade at every generation of baseball prior, but I do not mean it to be disrespectful. We're just talking facts. Okay. Do you really think steroids were any worse of a performance enhancer than, say, you know, in the twenties and thirties? A lot of those players paid played through pain by being drunk all the time. Uh, the fifties um, and sixties amphetamines were huge. You know, I think, um, in those days, like dr- getting drunk and dr- taking drugs was one thing, but when you take steroids, it's like it, it enhances your play. It grows your muscles out, makes you bright, you know, more focused, I guess too. So, um, I think, I think the start is it was way more, um, effective than it was getting drunk and playing drunk or whatnot. Just my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Um and you know, there's a lot of people that say that the uh the the sixties and seventies you saw a lot better base running and a lot faster <laughs> fielders because they were on basically speed. 
Right. But yeah, that's clear. yeah going to echo kind of what you said, though, speed didn't have all the benefits that uh, steroids did. Right. And one thing about steroids that um, I, I almost feel like should be taken into account when we talk about whether or not players belong in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. A lot of people were using that to accelerate their heel times when they were playing. Yeah. Injured. Yeah. And, and, and it's funny because, you know, you look back on the people who were the, the greats at the time, and um, it's really easy to tell who was and wasn't on steroids. You know, because we'll, we'll yeah. never know. I mean, even, right. even the people that did the, uh, the congressional investigation said that it was somewhere between 15 and 40% of the league. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. So, I mean, we'll just never know. But, you know, if you look yeah. at the players who were really great but were always yep. injured, uh, yep. Griffey is a great example. He was probably never on steroids because he yep. was always injured for so long. Exactly. Yeah, Dan, Dan says, like, he was the best player in that era. Um, and, he, and he was clean. He was never tested for positive or steroids. Because he was, if, he was, if he was on it, he'd be all hurt and come back. <laughs> exactly. Uh, he was always hurt and not playing for a while, you know? Yep, yep. Um, and, and maybe Bo Jackson would have been able to rehab that hip. <laughs> Tony Gwynn, too. Yeah, Tony Gwynn, yeah. Yep. So, um, who do you feel like is the uh, the the juicer who just never got caught? Like, Oh, that's easy for me. Okay. David Ortiz. I, I am so glad you said that. Because, <laughs> like, he's in this report, but was it confirmed if he was actually positive for steroids, but his name just keeps popping up. Because, like, okay, he, so he goes to Seattle as a as a for the Mariners, and then he goes to the Twins in a trade for a bad trade. I'll just say that he would, and then he he gets he's a little big, but not much. He's he's still pretty skinny. Uh-huh. Goes to Boston, and he's like, whoa, whoa. I think Manny had it. I think Manny and him got together and had a little uh, powwow. Because Manny Ramirez was definitely on steroids. It was clear fact that he was mm-hmm. um, playing the same team in Boston. And I just think that Ortiz was just not that big naturally. So no, no, and and you know, people didn't start calling him Big Poppy until his career was almost over. <laughs> exactly, no, that was yeah. the name he brought up from the minors with him. No, no. No, I think it was like skinny back then with the Mariners. But um, also another guy I thought was Pudge Rodriguez. Another guy I think he's juicing a little bit. Uh-huh. Pudge Rodriguez. He was one of those guys who bounced back really quick from injuries too. Yeah, Mike Piazza I think was also on steroids. Mm-hmm. If nothing else, um, you could tell from the roid rage. <laughs> exactly. Now a guy that went, oh, I was surprised to see that he was on roids was Craig Biggio. I was like, what? The small third baseman for the Astros on steroids. <laughs> what? What? What is this about? Yeah, I was like, I was shocked. I was like, whoa, damn. Um, and, you know, the, the the one that the one that always jumps to my mind too. It's very similar to um to Ortiz in that he's yeah. never been one hundred percent implicated but his name pops up a lot when people and 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 honestly like i think his name pops up more among other players 
than it yeah. does like in the media. And that's okay. Brett. Brett, you know, Booney, um, you know, that's a good call because as an M's fan, I had him on, he's there for a few years with the, with the Seattle Se- oh, Mariners, sorry, not mm-hmm. the Seahawks, but the Mariners. Yeah. Um, when he came over, I was like, okay, interesting movie got a small, second baseman okay. little guy from san diego uh, yeah and then he, he like he just had a career year like 50 home runs i think it was or something like that this bat he was jacked i was like huh i don't know about this guy but he looks pretty powerful for for a little guy so, <laughs> yeah and definitely interesting to see that and 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 yeah yeah and some of his numbers for instance like his first season in seattle Batting 331, 37 home runs, 140 yeah. ribbies, 950 OBP, or I mean OPS. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you're an M's fan. You can confirm yeah. this. Safeco Field is not the most hitter friendly ballpark. Um, at, at the time, no, it was not. It oh. is now. I mean, it's it's a boombox now, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. But, but at that but time, back though, then, it was, yeah. It was like, it was hard to like get it get a home run it's like people will just get a deep fly for 20 feet to center and just take a fly ball to for an out yeah <laughs> but, but he had like massive massive power and another guy who i thought was on steroids um was also from renner was regular banyas really about. yeah I, I, I want to hear more about this because his name has never, uh, at least in, in, in the circles that I look at, I never would have suspected him. So make the case. Yeah. yeah. Abanez was this scrub from minor leagues with the Mariners. He came up, you know, at first he's like struggles to come up with the Mariners. He's like, you know, it's a, a couple of them here and there, but then maybe you're a year later, like he's just hitting bombs like left and right. And then I don't think he's was a very good hitter at all. And then he goes to Philadelphia where he just boom <laughs> runs the next season. I was like, okay, um, I don't know if he was a, a Reuter, but he's not that good. And uh, <laughs> I've always had a suspicion of Raul Abani. I like the guy; he's a, he's a good guy, but I, just, I don't know if he was actually on the up and up. And 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 you know that's an interesting point because part of the reason why I never would have factored him in is because he just didn't have those huge stats. But yeah. you're you're right though; they did improve. And the guy, other guy, thought also former Mariner. Uh, you know, I, I watch mainly. I, I'm watching. I don't watch mainly most. I watch. I watch mainly Mariner games. Is all I, I watch. You know, sure. Basically, um, Mike Cameron. What do you think about that? Well. <sighs> You know, uh, again, again, I don't, I don't, um, I don't necessarily think I see it in the stats, but he's right. a guy where I see it in his his fairly minimal time on the DL. Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, <clears throat> thing is, he goes from, from the White Sox, skinny guy. You know, he goes to Seattle, bigger guy, hitting bombs. He hit four home runs in a game against the White Sox. You know, five home runs in one game against the White Sox. Um, and since that time, he just just he had huge numbers, you know, for the Mariners, you know, and as a coach of the Mariners uh, also. But I I was just floored. It's like I, I didn't know if he was like true, but he just was awesome to watch, which I loved, actually. Mm-hmm. But well, sure. Just saying, that, just saying just saying that he may have been on the roids a little bit. Which yeah, guess, with Brett know. Boone on the same team as him, actually, too. Booney. Yeah. Cameron. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would have been real easy. Yeah. 
Um, and and uh, Boone is actually one of those guys who um, had a fairly good relationship with Jose Canseco. Yeah. Who, who was a very polarizing guy. I mean, he did not leave yeah. the league with a lot of friends. No, he did not. He did <laughs> and all that, so. Yeah. So, really out. yeah. So, for, ew, I think if we connect all the dots here, I, th- I think you got something there. I think so. I mean, I, you know, just my thoughts, though. It's not really facts, but just what I thought. No, not at all. Not at all. What I saw with my own eyes. Yeah, Mike Cameron doesn't get to come out and see you because you just said he juiced because you you just said it looks like it. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Exactly. Mike Cameron, if you're listening, probably not. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so um, you know we've talked a lot about the uh, the the guys juicing because they had to get their big contracts. We've talked about juicing because they had to compete with other juicers. To stay in the league also, to stay just, in the in baseball. Yes, yes. So, I mean, you know, you, you kind of you give some, some leeway there. But yep. um, who, who do you think of when you think of just like people who maliciously just juiced for the sake of cheating and for nothing else? Uh, Barry Bonds. Because um, like before on roids, he was – he was a stud. He's like he's like the best player, top five players in baseball, at the time. Barry Bonds, McGuire, because McGuire was awesome too, before the steroids, and A Rod was also awesome before steroids. So I mean, I I put I, I go A Rod, McGuire, and and Bonds on my list, and Roger Clemens probably too, because you know he's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I I, I definitely I think McGuire especially. And- you know who's to say whether or not that uh, that that can be blamed on Jose Canseco? It Pro- could be. Probably yeah. not, though. I think because I feel like in his case it was more of a he was sick of Canseco getting all the spotlight in Oakland. So yeah, um, Bash Brothers. Yeah, when I think of malicious juicers, people who just cheated for the sake of cheating, who mm-hmm. deserve to have their legacies erased, I think mm-hmm. Rafael Palmero. Raphael, but Mr. Viagra, yeah. Because not only did he get caught, not only did he get caught more than once, but every time he got caught, he threw somebody else under the bus. That's true. I forgot about that. That's that's a good one. And like especially, that. I think it was when he was in Baltimore, he tried to throw his whole team under the bus. Yeah, remember that. And those were some, by comparison, fairly clean guys. And did you see, like, when he was in on in DC, he, like he he put his fingers like wagged his finger to the he's like, like his his finger points wagging his finger at the Congress and all that stuff. It's like uh, blah, blah blah blah. It's like, come on, stop it. Yeah, stop. yeah, yeah. Total douchebag. Pretty much. <laughs> and he's also the ex spokesman for Viagra. That's well. true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now we know why he needed it because he <laughs> completely destroyed his balls with steroids. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Um, and, you know, another name that pops up with me is Sosa. Same. Well, Sammy Sosa, um, before the time, was an okay player. Um, wasn't like what what he was on steroids, and then after steroids, he wasn't good at all. So I'm not sure about that one, but make the case though. Let me make the case. The reason why I make the case for Sammy Sosa is because 
he was double dipping. Not only was he juicing, but he was also corking his bat. Corking his bat, right? <laughs> that was hilarious when he had the when it broke the bat on the field. It's like oh, oh, oh and, and 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 he was like pretending to look as surprised as everyone else. I was like what? It's not my bat. It's not mine. Yeah. yeah. And then the bat boy was like, no, no, no. He was always very specific. When I would go to hand him one of three bats, he always grabbed the same one. Exactly. Yeah. So that's that's why I say so so because he was okay. double with it. Exactly. I, I hear you. I mean, that's a good point. Brooke Bat was hilarious. Like the next day, he's, he's like, you know, that's my BP bat, not my actual real bat. Like, okay. <laughs> okay, buddy. Yeah. Like, if you're a hitter, you know what. You, oh, you know exactly. You know you're equipped, your your arsenal, you know. You don't know what you know. You you know when you're in the on deck circle and you feel how much give that thing has when you swing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um exactly. so that's pretty that's pretty much it for me. Um it's like okay. the, the, the kind of closing thought that I had. Mm-hmm. And and I feel like we've already kind of um addressed it with a lot of our answers is yeah. uh, do you really think the steroid era was that bad? Um, all like, is, it the, is it the black eye on baseball that everyone says it is or is in 20, 30 years is, is it not going to be that big a deal? I'll answer it in two ways. First of all, I'll answer it when, when I was a kid watching it and see then where, where I am today. So I was watching as a kid, as a high school or a teenager or whatever. I was like, when I found out that Maguire, Sosa, Bonds, everyone was on the juice. I was like, oh, my heroes are just going a rod. Like a rod was, <laughs> was the biggest ones. I love a rod. Even you know, if you went to the Rangers, I, I still loved a rod. Um, and that, that, that takes some commitment because he kind of gave an fu to the Mariners fans when he went there. He did, but you know, get that money, bud. I mean, get 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 that money. Um, but you know, I was very heartbroken when I heard about your rod. I was I was really pissed, actually. Um, I'll then, say this much though: at least yeah. A-Rod fessed up to it. I yeah, mean, I mean, guys get fessed to it. Guys, that we know juiced. You know, guys like McGuire, guys like Clemens. They never, to this day, they haven't admitted to it. Well. McGuire did say he took Andro, Android or whatever it was called. Yeah. Andro. But but he also said and, not here to talk about the past. <laughs> but 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 he did come on DP show and said he, he did say that he did steroids. Oh, he, he did. Steroids. Okay. Yeah. Well, it took him long enough. It took him a while, but he, he's, <laughs> him him were good friends, so I mean, he went on the show. Yeah. But talked about it. But um yeah, I mean, as a kid I was like I was I was I was pissed. I was mad. Then but now as an adult I'm like, you know, not a huge deal because everyone was doing it at the time and it made the game a lot, a lot more watchable. It was awesome to see the home runs, 500 feet home runs, just like with no one's business. And uh, But 20 years down the road, I think it's just be like be a little blip on the radar, I think. Your thoughts on, on that? Yeah, I think so too. Um, you know, I think it's very similar to um, if you asked people at the time if Pete Rose belonged in the Hall of Fame, everyone would have told you no. And I think every year that that number gets a little smaller. Yeah. Not that what he did is the same as what they did, but I want to. Sorry, I want to say something about Pete Rose. Sure, sure. I, mean, um, I get it that it's legal to not bet on baseball, you know, as a manager or player, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, 
now the hall the hall of fame rules out the time did, did not discriminate of of him getting on the ballot because it was just, it was a baseball thing mm-hmm. and the hall of fame just said oh, we'll add it just to fall in with baseball but i just think pete rose was an amazing player and I, I never got got to see him play, but I've seen all the highlights and all his numbers. It's crazy. I think he should belong in the Hall of Fame and be banned from going to any baseball events or whatever. But I just think he should get get in just for his baseball his on, on the field. You know, his his he's he's due to get in the Hall of Fame. I agree with that. I, and That's I mean, all. the 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 stolen bases, the base hits. Yeah. Um. And 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 you know. Here's where it becomes kind of foggy because I'm one of those people that still thinks the Black Sox should all still be banned from the Hall of Fame. Yeah, but I think Pete Rose should be in. And when people are like, "Well, you know, it's it's all the same. Why does Pete Rose get a pass and the Black Sox don't?" At least Pete Rose was betting on his own team. Exactly. You know, if he was betting against his own team because he knew that they were maybe plagued with injuries or he was going to have some guys take a dive. That's one thing, but he, yeah. he was just showing supreme confidence in his team. Yeah, I mean, I would rather have him bet on baseball than have the Astros and Red Sox cheat on the yeah. field. Thank you. Yes. That's it. I mean, that's simple. I mean, what, what they're doing now is 18, whatever it was, what year it was, but that's much worse than betting on baseball. I'm sorry. It really is. Oh, it's 100% worse. It's, it's, it's actually cheating. And yeah. there aren't a lot of ways that you can cheat in baseball anymore. But, yeah. And certainly what Pete Rose did was not cheating. No. Nope. Um, before we go, we go here, um, final thoughts on steroids and all, whatever you want to talk about before we, we get out of here. Well, you know, I'm a big Bonds guy. Yeah. I liked his attitude. I liked the, <laughs> I liked the way he treated the press. <laughs> I like shit. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, 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 do you think he's a Hall of Famer? Yeah. I mean, I don't like him at all, but he's he he should be a Hall of Famer. Not do, does he get in? I think I think at some point he does. Yeah. Okay. Um, that was my big question just because I needed to hear it from someone else. Cause, cause I'll, I'll tell you what, I'm the biggest Mark for Barry Bonds. I will, <laughs> I will make excuses for him and I'll apologize for him all day long. So I needed to hear it from someone else. Cause of course his, I think he's going to go into the hall cause I'm all over his ass. His trainer went to jail for him, you know? Yes. He did for a long time. A long ass time. I was like, "All oh, right, he is. He's loyal to a fault. I yeah. would not be that loyal." No, and I, I was like, "Yeah, he did this and this and this." Like, see you, bud. I'll see you in jail. I'll tell you who would have really thrown him under the bus: Rafael Palmeiro. Rafael Palmeiro. <laughs> thank God he wasn't finished. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast. It's been a long time. Absolutely. Um, this again soon. Hopefully, t- it won't be two years. But uh, no, no. no. Now that I have WWE Network, let's. Uh... <laughs> yes, I I watched uh, the three papers I missed. I watched the TLC Survivor Series and also watched the uh, last one they had uh, the the Rumble. Well, those three. you yeah. know what you gotta watch. You gotta watch the uh, NXT Takeover show the night before Survivor Series. Oh, really? One of the best pay per views I've ever seen. Oh, from from last month, last week, 
Luke uh, no, no, it was the NXT Takeover, the War Games. Um, oh, I watched that one actually. I watched. Oh, that okay, one. okay. Well, then, then you've already seen it. <laughs> that was amazing. Go back and watch it again. <laughs> that that that, that Steel Cage match they had with oh, that was just phenomenal, awesome. Um, <laughs> off topic there, but uh, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. I hope you have a great rest of your Sunday. Thanks for having me back. All right, see ya. Bye.